It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcomaniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, and joined this week by our very special guest from the West, Mr. Tyler Walzak. Tyler, how are you doing, buddy? Not too bad, buddy. Thanks for having me on board this week. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure when we can get you to find some time in your busy schedule. Um, usually, it's the three of us. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff, our regular co-host, is unable to uh, join this week. Had a bit of a family situation going on, so all the best to him. Um, but he should be back next week when we look at part two of our wide receiver year in review. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you. I'm excited that I don't just have to make a funny voice and pretend that I'm talking to somebody in the studio here. <laughs> no, I'm happy to happy to be here. I had the the day off today, and the only the only difference for me is it's right during dinner time, so I'll be uh, itching to eat. That's true. So if you hear uh, if you hear him talking with his mouth full, folks, that's all right. He's not having a midnight <laughs> snack. He's on West Coast time. Uh, it's been a pretty good week for sports, man. We had uh, you know we were talking off air. We had Kyle Lowry coming back to uh, Toronto and getting a warm welcome there. Uh, you and I actually just before uh, hitting record here, we had a Masters pool draft with a bunch of our buddies. Final four is done. The the March Madness is all over. It's been a pretty good week. It, it's been an unbelievable week. So Saturday was the final four games, the two final four games. And then Saturday night was WrestleMania night one. And then Sunday was WrestleMania night two. And then Monday was, uh, um, yeah, the, the, the national championship game. And then uh, Augusta starts off tomorrow. Yeah, this is, uh, it's a pretty good time. And, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs had a good 18 minutes of hockey there last night and uh yeah things are happening um i was gonna ask you actually uh man i know you know from way back in the day you've been a big wrestling fan but what do you think of the two night event of wrestlemania does that cheapen it or is that just like you know more fun for everybody um i i mean i kind of i don't watch wrestling like like since the attitude era but I do. I caught WrestleMania the last couple of years because it was COVID and there was no other sports. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just sign up for like the ten dollar a month for this month package of. Uh, I still say WWF, but WWE. Um, and I know that uh, I listen to Pat McAfee's uh, show every morning during the week as well. So he was wrestling in it, um, and I didn't pay attention to Saturday that much. But Sunday night kind of seems like the big uh, traditional night. So I tuned into that. Um, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's fun. You got to know what it is and you got to know, watch it for what it is. Um, and you learn to appreciate it. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, we're, uh, I'm kind of the same way as you during the attitude era. It was, uh, it was a must see every week, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, lately we kind of tune in, in our household once a year, we, uh, we take part in a big Royal rumble pool, and uh, so we always make sure that we tune in and watch the the men's and the women's now rumbles. But uh, I saw lots of clips and uh, lots of you know familiar faces and blasts from the past and uh, and some big exciting moments. So yeah, Stone Cold came back. That yeah, was the, that's what was cool to see is like oh, oh, it's sweet Stone Cold's back. For sure. But uh, anyways, you know, that's a whole, we gotta, we're got we going to have to start another <laughs> podcast for that one. But uh, yeah, welcome in listeners. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. If you're a uh, returning Falcomaniac, welcome back. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Falcomaniacs Football. I know that the, uh, I know it's been pretty quiet. We had such a rush of football news and things have kind of quieted down, but soon we're going to be getting our preseason predictions going and NFL draft uh, work going there. And uh, as always, if you want to get a hold of us, you can leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description and you can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. All right, man. Well, you know the drill here. To get things going, we got the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. So one of the, you know, most storied players, one of the guys who I can honestly say for probably the first decade of my fantasy football, um, you know, career, if you want to call it that, 
This guy just seemed to end up on my team every single year. He was always there. He was always, you know, up in the higher ranks of running backs and just nobody wanted to take him. And finally, it was too good to pass up. I'm talking about Frank Gore. Frank Gore is hanging up the cleats. It seems like it's been, uh, you know, since the leather helmet days that uh, he's been in the NFL. But 16 seasons, uh, lots of longevity at the running back position, which is kind of ironic because he I think early in his career there was a lot of worry um, about his health issues and uh, I wanted to start off tonight first of all saying thanks to Frank Gore for all the uh, you know all the great fantasy football memories all the great NFL memories getting to see him play over the years Uh, but do a little bit of a you know a lifetime achievement thing a little bit of a career retrospective so Frank Gore is third all time in NFL rushing yards. Uh, Obviously a large part of that due to uh, how long he was able to play and a large part of that due to he is the player with the most games ever played as a running back. Well over 200 games as a running back. Um, He was Miami Hurricane in college. Long time 49er. I believe the first 10 years of his career were in San Francisco. Um, He went from there to the Colts and then spent time with the Dolphins, the Bills, uh, most recently the Jets, and then uh, announced this week he was signing a one-day contract with San Francisco um, to retire a 49er. So pretty, I like when, I like when teams do that. I like when they bring back the familiar face. Um, Like I mentioned, big concerns coming out of college. He tore both ACLs separately, tore one in spring training and, and then the other one in a game the following season. But uh, he went on to have 15 straight seasons of over 500 rushing yards. And actually looking into this, when he was with the Bills, he had 599 yards. If he would have gotten one more yard, it would have actually been 15 years of 600 or more rushing yards. So he was one yard short of uh, bumping it up a whole new bracket. 14 straight seasons in the NFL with 150 or more carries. And ends his career, I like this, he ended with 3,735 carries, exactly 16,000 yards. So if you're wondering why now, why did he hang it up, it's that. It's that nice round 16,000 yards, 81 rushing touchdowns, a career average of 4.3 yards per attempt. And, uh, you know, he could get it done through the air too. He had 484 catches for uh, just about 4,000 yards and 200... Uh, oh no, that can't be right. And 18 touchdowns, not 218 touchdowns. That was that would be pretty impressive. Um, but the biggest thing that stuck out to me, so he was just shy of 20,000 total uh, total yards, 19,985. But he touched the ball 4,219 times, and he only fumbled 46 times. So just you know, never that big play explosive guy, but dependable, steady Eddie, and uh, secured the ball. Um, do you, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Tyler, but do you have any, uh, any particular, I guess, thoughts or memories of, uh, of Frank Gore, either in fantasy or in the NFL? No, I, uh, was never a fan of Frank Gore. I actually tried to avoid him every single draft and it's not because he, like, he is Mr. Dependable on the football field. Like, I feel like the game outgrew him instead of him, um, getting older in the game and the two stats that are that that show that is the well the one really is the 14 straight years with 150 plus carries like that that's crazy to me and it should be if you look back on running back numbers now that's very very rare and the um, the guy just kind of just ran he was almost like a a boring guy like just give him the ball he'll get four yards give him the ball he'll get four yards and uh it's it just seemed like every year you always thought that the next year was going to be the year that he kind of had that drop off and it just never came until eventually he uh, left the NFL. But yeah, I avoided him in every draft and it's crazy that now he's third time, third all time in rushing yards. And it's like, he got so much hate in his career for just kind of being Mr. Dependable. Yeah. Well, and you're exactly right. I think early in his career, you know, people would kind of, they were kind of waiting for him to take that next step forward and it kind of never happened. And then it was like in every year, is this the year he retires or is this the year that he, you know, loses his spot? But he, yeah, he just kept, just kept chugging along, just kept doing it, just kept doing it. And, uh, and so, you know what, love him or hate him. You got to respect him. Congratulations, Frank Gore. And, uh, 
you know, it might not be too many more years before we see Frank Gore Jr. Uh, following in his dad's footsteps here. He's uh, he's not far behind the old man. Where does where is he playing? What school? Uh, Miami, I think. I'll double check oh, really? that here, oh, but nice. yeah, I think he I think he followed him to to the U. Well, hopefully his ACL stay healthy because I wonder Frank Gore. I think changed his running style when he went to the NFL to suit the fact that he had prior injuries. So it's always kind of, even though he's third all time in rushing yards, it's kind of still like a what if, like a what if he never had those torn ACLs. Yeah, for sure. And I'm a big liar. I just looked it up. He plays for Southern Miss. So uh, not even okay. close. So yeah, sorry. No, not even <laughs> Starts with an M kind of. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, but yeah, we have a lot more to get to. It's, uh, you know, things have slowed down. We don't have any major blockbusters, but uh, a lot more than Frank Gore's retirement happened this week. So what do you say, buddy? Can you hit us with the fantasy news? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. Okay. Fantasy news. Uh, so we have a trade this week, and it was kind of a big trade, um, but no player was traded. And uh, to me, it, that's that's a weird thing, but we'll get into that. It was the Saints sent their first rounder this year, plus next year's first, a 2024 second, a third and a seventh from this year's draft to Philly, and in return got two of Philly's first rounders from this year, which leaves Philly with one of their own, plus a sixth rounder, essentially New Orleans – Okay, let me process this because I've already screwed myself up. <laughs> so essentially, New Orleans moved up two spots this year and turned next year's first rounder into this year's first rounder, but it cost them a handful of other picks. So there's two ways to look at this if we break it down. My original thought was that Philly didn't want those picks because they don't trust the guys that are coming into this draft. Um, but then someone in our group chat mentioned that you could look at it where the Saints actually really, really like a couple of guys in this draft. So there's two ways to look at it. I mean, I feel it's like it's weird because Jalen Hurts could go either way. Like he could take the next step up or the next step down as in his career progression. Um, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to go out and, and try to build around him at this point with those first rounders. It was very weird to me. Yeah, it was odd. Like Philly was in an odd position in the first place. They had three picks in the top 20. Three, they had number 15, 16, and 19, I believe. And so maybe they just they just didn't like enough of the players to take three of them, like you said. Um, for New Orleans, though, I don't know. Like I, I didn't feel like New Orleans is really a team on the bubble of doing something big. Um, you know, they're bringing back Jameis Winston for a kind of uh, a wait and see contract. And they've got Andy Dalton waiting in the wings now. We don't know what's happening with Alvin Kamara. There hasn't really, it's been pretty quiet on that front. We've got Michael Thomas, who a few years ago was pacing the NFL as a wide receiver and then missed a lot of time with injury and then ultimately missed this entire season. Um, you know, they, they made some improvements and their defense is always strong, but the Sean Payton era is over. The Drew Brees era is over. Um, it's interesting to me that they, I guess, obviously felt strongly enough about this year's draft, um, that they wanted to, you know, cash in next year's chips for this year. Uh, hopefully it doesn't put them into a big hole because anytime that you're, anytime that you're giving up, you know, twice as many picks and anytime you're, you're selling off like that to get picks right now, you better hit on them because you, if you don't, you don't have that chance over the next couple of years to really make up for it. So, um, I, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's a bad move for Philadelphia, um, they got a good they got a good return. They still have two first picks this year and then two first rounders next year um, and then a couple of other lower picks. But uh, yeah, New Orleans, the pressure's on a little bit. They've got to make something of this. Well, it's a big it's a big wide receiver draft this year. There's a lot of guys that are going in the first and second round for wide receivers, a lot of fast guys. Um, so they, they are weak at wide receivers. So they don't know what they're, what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. They could ship him out if they get two guys in the first round. Also, they could just be using Jameis Winston as a stopgap to someone that they pick up in the first round this year. So there's a lot of things that New Orleans can now do with those drafts, uh, draft picks to, to kind of boost their rebuild, if you want to call it that. But uh, it'll be exciting to see happen. So the next uh, fantasy news we got here is Stefan Diggs, uh, and this is going to make a lot of uh, 
Buffalo Bills fans listening, uh, has signed a huge extension, four years, $96 million, with lots of incentives. Uh, he is amongst one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the league, and both sides have said they intend for him to be a Bill for the remainder of his career. I think $70 million of that was guaranteed, which is the number that you should be looking at now when you hear about these signings. Um, Roger Goodell has, uh, said that there will be discipline likely for Deshaun Watson. He won't go on to the commissioner-exempt list, which is strange to me. Uh, Watson is on a PR campaign to change his public image, but several accusers still are still pursuing the newest Cleveland Browns signal caller and insist to the public that a lack of pursuit of charges is not the same as a declaration of innocence. So stay tuned to what happens with Deshaun Watson. It is far from over, I believe. Um, and then for uh, this one's for me. Yeah. Lions, they plan to pick up TJ Hawkinson's fifth-year option. Um, there should be an extension coming, uh, hopefully by the deadline that is next month they'll reach it. But uh, I feel like he's our only kind of uh, true steady-hand veteran on the team right now, besides Jared Goff, obviously. Yeah, that's it. Like, he's, you know, he's a youngster, but uh, he's kind of the senior man in town in a lot of ways. And um, it's going to be really, I'm I'm really interested to see what your Lions can do this year. Um, you know, not a lot of expectation last year. We've talked lots about Dan Campbell and, and the team uh, morale that he kind of built up. But uh, there was a lot of good things happening with Hawkinson and Swift. And those two both, you know, went down with injury, and then we saw um, the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown. And obviously, coming into fantasy draft season, that's going to be the name that a lot of people are looking at. I'm interested to see what his role is. Uh, number one, you know, depending on, I don't think they're done adding yet, and uh, and they'll potentially use some of their draft capital to further, uh, you know, add to those offensive weapons. But number two, having Hawkinson back and having Swift back. Uh, how does that change the role of uh, the sun god there? Yeah, that I mean, that'll be the those two guys will be the determination on anybody's value within the Detroit Lions offense. So if if they stay healthy, it opens up everybody else. But if one of them goes out, then like if Swift goes out, Hawkinson will be covered by the fastest big guy, and then you're going to yeah. double team St. Brown, and it's over. If Hawkinson goes out, you put eight in the box, and you. You stop Swift and put two guys on on Brown. So it's it, you need you need them both to be healthy to have any <laughs> chance of what's going on. And those guys just can't stay healthy. No, that's pretty fair. All right, we have a couple of minor moves here. Marlon Mack has signed with Houston. Um, he's looking. He has said it vocally. He's not going there as you know a, a placeholder. He wants to get back. He's still a young player. And uh, in 2019, he was a thousand yard rusher. He had kind of taken over that starter's role. Um, you know, don't forget that when Jonathan Taylor was drafted, the plan was for him to kind of spend some time backing up and working his way in. Obviously, you know, he was a big name coming out of college, um, but that was a crowded backfield. It wasn't really an ideal landing spot for him. Um, but in the first game of the season, Mac tore his Achilles and that opened the door for Taylor to, uh, to kind of explode onto the scene in his rookie season. So there was no future in Indianapolis for Mac. Um, Houston had, you know, I feel like they had 56 different running backs on their roster last year, a real who's who of fantasy football in 2011. But, uh, Mac has, you know, as good a chance of anybody of stepping up and, uh, he might be a guy you have to pick up on waivers to fill in for a bye week next year. Speaking of which, uh, Devonte Parker, who, you know, kind of a perennial disappointment when he was with Miami had that one season where all of a sudden it seemed like it was all coming together for him and then they brought in Jalen Waddle, who really took over the scene there and now they've got Tyreek Hill and it was just too crowded in South Beach so he has been traded in division he's been sent up to New England he's gonna go and play under the Patriot way this is weird to me um, you know you're in these four team divisions to see a team send a high profile weapon like that to someone that they're going to play twice a year. You don't see it happen very often, but uh, I guess they felt like that was the best deal that they could get, or maybe they felt like they were playing a real April fool's joke on Belichick. Well, that's, you gotta like, you have to think that they know something. The Patriots don't because the Patriots, they know the Patriots are weak at wide receiver. So, and Devontae Parker's an above average receiver who's still kind of finding his way in the NFL, but he's getting better each year. So it's a very strange in-division um, trade to me as well. 
Yeah, we'll see if it... uh, I'm sure when those two teams match up this year, I'm sure that Bill Belichick is going to find a way to have him go for like 160 and 3 against his old team. Oh, yeah. He's going to take off. He's already already with Mac Jones. Like, they're out playing beer pong together at bars and stuff like that. So they're already (laughs) creating a... um, camaraderie between the two is the friendship it's blossoming well we saw we saw what happened last year when matt stafford and cooper cup started having breakfast together every morning right so yeah maybe this is maybe this is the new one two massively different things beer pong and breakfast (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah it sounds like the last 10 years of my life yeah Anyways, um, speaking of former Patriots, I guess Rob Gronkowski, he hasn't committed yet on what he's doing. Uh, He's made it very clear that if he comes back, it's only going to be for the Buccaneers. There's no, you know, earlier when we didn't know what Brady was doing, there were rumors that uh, he was being kind of wooed by the Buffalo Bills and thought that that might be a fit for him. But Brady's back in town. His buddy's there. Uh, He was more than relevant this year when healthy. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it takes a toll on the body and it's taken a toll on, on Rob Gronkowski's body more than most. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe he's, maybe he was watching WrestleMania this weekend and thinking about a return to the ring too. We'll see. He'll be back. He'll be He'll back. Be back. He's what? just trying to avoid those sprints that he had to do. Every oh time. yeah, exactly. Well, and that was hilarious. Like I'm sure you saw the story, but he said he yeah. like, he did one day's worth of sprints, but in different <laughs> outfits and he outfit. would send the videos. Genius, that's, really. that's so good. I love it. <laughs> um, man, speaking of people who might be back, we talked about this a little bit last week, Jeff and I, um, we discussed the idea of Colin Kaepernick and, you know, it's been five years really since he, uh, since he was under center for an NFL team. Um, but he's been, he's been staging these workouts. He worked out the last couple of seasons for teams. He released that video earlier this off season with Tyler Lockett. And, uh, you know, most recently he was at, uh, the university of Michigan. They had their, their blue and gold spring camp game. And at halftime, he put on a bit of a pro day workout with some NFL scouts there. Like, do you, is there any shot is, is there any shot that Brad in our league is going to spend his last round pick on Colin Kaepernick? That's what I want to know. Uh, no, he's using that on Josh Gordon. We know that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Kaepernick probably should just get a chance, if only to so that the NFL can prove that he, like, they don't think he belongs. So give him a shot. Put him on a team. Like someone pick him up. See if he can see if he can break the starting lineup. Let's see it. Let's see what happens. It's only five years. Yeah, there are, you know, it's only five years. Five years is a long time, but uh, he's in shape. He still has the touch, it looks like. Um, And you can't tell me that of the 32 backup quarterbacks in the league that there's nobody that he could outperform. Um, You know, obviously there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, and teams might be shying away from that, but... uh, you know, they didn't shy away from picking up some of these other guys coming off of uh, what, you know, could arguably be called much, much, much worse baggage. I don't, think, so I don't, I don't think, think it's an well, argue. Yeah, it's a bad argument, argument but yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't argue it, but uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens here. Um, this is this falls under the no duh headline of the week. Matt LaFleur has, you know, he, he shared his wisdom with us. He let us know that it was pretty tough to part ways with Devontae Adams. Yeah, you don't say, Matt. No duh. No duh. And, uh, yeah, this is big news here. Speaking of quarterbacks looking to make a comeback, there's an opportunity still. You know, we saw Cam Newton briefly come back in Carolina. I don't think that uh, I don't think that just because they didn't get Deshaun Watson, I don't think they're out of the hunt for a new quarterback. Sam Darnold experiment hasn't really worked out for them. So there's a chance that Newton could be back, but – it sounds like they're not the only suitors. Newton is telling the media that there are quote multiple teams interested in signing him. And I think this is kind of how, you know, there are quote multiple, very smart people who know for a fact that Donald Trump definitely won the last election. So, uh, yeah, good for you guys. Isn't this kind of like, I was listening to Terrell Owens this week as well. And he said the same thing. He said that he's been talking to GMs, about and they're like, yeah, just stay in shape. You never know. Stay in shape. You never know when we're gonna need you. Like that. It doesn't that sound like something nice you say to someone so that you don't hurt their feelings face to face. 
Yeah, you just say, "Oh yeah, you look, yeah, you look great." Shape, yeah. Well, yeah, when sure. Des when Des Bryant, you know, briefly uh, suited up for the Ravens, like To was all over it, saying like, "Oh, my phone's gonna start ringing like tomorrow," but uh, yeah, he forgot to pay his bill, I guess, because he didn't delusional. get any calls. He is, he's forty eight years old. Uh, it's just, it's, put it's, put it's, your dentures in and get your popcorn yeah, ready there, To. Like, enjoy the rest of your life, man. Like, yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, that wraps up, uh, you know, a little bit of a slower week, but uh, we had a couple LOLs, so that was good. Uh, But we do have some business to get to. We've been doing our year in review segment here. We've looked at the quarterbacks and the running backs. And, um, you know, if you're new to the show, it's not we're not just about going through, you know, who is the top 10 and who is the 11 to 20 players, but really taking a look at. Where does that overall finish actually compare to the experience of having these guys on your fantasy roster? Because this is where a lot of players get trapped, right? We go into draft season. We haven't maybe done all the research we need to. You buy the magazine or you look at the list on your draft platform and you see where they finished last year and you think, oh, great. Yeah, that's who I want. But, uh, you know, sometimes the sometimes the picture you see isn't quite as rosy as the reality of it. So uh, anyways, without further ado... This is our year in review for wide receiver. All right, run out and hook in. Run out and hook in. Show these people how to play football. My form is perfect. I'm like Jerry Rice. So if you watched anything to do with anything to do with football this year, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but uh, Cooper Cup, he had a pretty good season. Number one wide receiver this year. You you were all over the Rams this year. You were all over Matt Stafford and the Rams, which I liked. Um, but a big year for Cup. He finished number one in half PPR. He, uh, he finished with 344 points. He had 138 receptions, 1,829 yards, and 15 touchdowns on 184 targets. And averaged 21.5 points per game. Huge performance uh, from a guy that you got kind of in those middle rounds. He was the fantasy MVP. He was the Super Bowl MVP. And I know we've talked about this, but in all honesty, an argument could be made that he should have been uh, the league MVP this year. He was a triple crown winner as the wide receiver with the most receptions, most receiving yards, and most receiving touchdowns. And that's pretty hard to do. So what was it actually like having Cooper Cup? Well, pretty, pretty, pretty good. He was about as consistent as you could be and in a great way. He only had one game this season in single digits if you were playing half PPR. Seven times, so almost half of his games, he was over 20 points. So seven times he had a huge game for you. And, uh, you know, the rest of the season, he was between 10 and 20. So he gave you a good performance. Didn't crush you. Now, he didn't have the massive blow-up games that some of the top 10 wide receivers we're going to talk about today gave you. He didn't have those weeks necessarily where he played and it was all over, but he put your team in position to win again and again and again. He was a must-start basically from week one and never took the foot off the gas. Um yeah, he if you match up the production with where you got him in drafts, he was he was indispensable. He was almost untradeable. Um and I don't think there's really much question that he's going to be the number 1 wide receiver off the board this coming year. Well, I'll agree with you that if as overall value last year, he was probably the best picked wide receiver for where you got him and what he gave you. Um I will disagree with you. I don't think that he will be the number 1 wide receiver next year. Ooh. I don't even think he'll be top three. But uh, next uh, on the list for a wide receiver review is Devontae Adams. Adams was, again, elite at the wide receiver position and worthy of his draft status, which was higher than Cooper Cups, I think, by probably two rounds, maybe even three, depending on your league. Uh, He might have hurt your team between weeks six and ten, though. He missed one game due to injury. Now, uh, he had overall this this year had seven games over 100 yards, including a 200-yard game against Cincy. now, in that week 6 to 10, he scored 10, 16, 7, and 11 points. Now, if you kind of break down what you need each week from your wide receivers, you kind of want everyone to score at least 10 points or up. So it's not like he was horrible um, and killing you, but he wasn't that elite wide receiver consistently um, from the first three parts or one, two, and three parts of the season yet. Um, but over his final six games, he was fantastic. He scored 25 points um, in four weeks. 
uh, in four of those weeks. So he got you exactly what you wanted with his uh, team of Aaron Rodgers and him again this year. And unfortunately, it's going to be kind of a toss-up with him next year. Yeah, no pun intended, right? Um, He is going to be one of the most talked about um, fantasy players this year. And it's going to be so hard to call because we just don't know, right? We know what his talent is, but we have no idea what the system in Vegas is going to be able to do. We have no idea how his role is going to compare um, with Waller in town, who's been that primary guy for Carr, uh, with Hunter Renfro, who's kind of emerged when needed over the last couple of seasons as that super reliable, high-volume guy. Um, I don't think there's any question that he's going to get fed targets. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an Aaron Rodgers target and a Derek Carr target are not the that's same. That's exactly thing. it. His value didn't go up. At this point, I can't argue that his value went up with him going to the Raiders. Yeah, so it's just a question of if it went down and if so by, you know. How, how, how much, yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, well, number three, this was the first kind of surprise, I guess. Well, I guess you could call Cooper Cup a surprise, but we have seen him up in the number in the top four before. But uh, this guy kind of got written off. His teammate had a great season the year before and uh, was drafted over top of him. But Debo Samuel, this is the guy, if you didn't have Cup as your vote for fantasy MVP, it was probably Debo because of how late he went in your drafts. So, you know, pretty good season through the air for Debo. 73 catches, 1,310 yards, six touchdowns on 115 targets. But the reason why he's so high up on our list, he also complemented that with 51 rushes for 320 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. So he finished with a total of 273 points and basically the same per game production as Devontae Adams, 18.2 points per game for a guy who was probably taken in the double digit rounds of your fantasy draft. He essentially created a, oh, sorry. No, no, I'm mean, actually, you uh, keep talking. I'm going to look up what his average draft position was last year. So yeah, no, thanks. Sure. Uh, he basically created a new position. He set it at the Pro Bowl. He wants to be categorized as a wide back. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see how much they can replicate that this year. He was, like I said, he was a late, late, late addition and uh, could have been a league winner for you in a lot of places. Um, but what was, this was surprising to me and, you know, I, I, well, I hope I do cause I, I co-host a fantasy football podcast every week, but, uh, I consider myself a guy who's pretty up on what's happening with these players. And, and, uh, usually I don't see too many stats that are really shocking, but looking at his rush attempts over the first eight games, over the first half of the season, he only had six rush attempts total. So that that dual role, it didn't exist for half of the season, which I guess in my mind, because he was be, he was so productive even as a wide receiver at that time, I just in my mind, I kind of assumed that it had been ongoing. So over the last eight games, he averaged seven carries a game. Um, he was electric. Every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he had a chance to break away and score. Um, he carried that team on his back multiple times, twice all season long. He gave you a single digit performance. And, uh, you know, while like, just like what we talked about with Cooper cup, he didn't have a lot of those enormous blow up games, but, uh, carried you with good to great production just about every week. And his average draft position last year was 105. That is, listen to some of the names above him. It's insane. DJ Chark. This is the one that's kind of uh, the next one. Uh, Michael Thomas. Now, remember when we drafted last year, Michael Thomas was already told that he would not play the first six weeks. And he was drafted five spots on average above uh, Debo Samuel. That's insane. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Pretty good. Thanks wow. for trading him to me, George. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and I would have him above Cooper Cup next year. Um, number four on this list, Jamar Chase. Chase was now on our little thing here. It says one of our worst calls the preseason on show, but I'm not going to include myself (laughs) in your show. So (laughs) Chase was one of uh, the Faulkner's worst calls of the preseason on show. Um, Basically the opposite of your uh, Allen Robinson call, but as a special as a a rookie year that he had, 
Um, he wasn't always a plus week by week for you. Chase scored 10 or fewer points five times this past year, the same number of times he scored 20 or more points. Uh, those big, big games included a 30-point effort in Week 7 and his famous 50-point performance in the championship week, uh, which is all anyone's ever going to remember. Um, the second half of the season was a tough, though. Week 8-17, to 17, he averaged 14.6 points per game, but take out the 50-point uh, game in Week 17, and he only averaged 10 points per game. That's huge because um, that's the bottom of where you want your wide receivers to be. Um, so you had to make it to the finals with some help from other players in order to get you to that 50-point game. See, and we, like, coming out of the draft, I liked Chase. I thought it was a terrible pick for what the Bengals needed, right? They they went for a weapon where they already had a couple of pass catchers in Boyd and Higgins. Um, they had a quarterback who basically had just been run over by a cement truck, and rather than invest in someone to protect him, they went for, you know, more speed. But... That's why I'm sitting in my house in Sarnia, Ontario, and they're living it up in the big bright lights of Cincinnati, I guess, because, uh, you know, joke's on me. He helped. He was a big part of that team making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, But don't forget, too, in the preseason, you know, he was struggling. He talked about he was struggling with the speed of the game. He was struggling with the ball. He just couldn't get back on the same page with his old college quarterback. And maybe he was just sandbagging us. Maybe he was just uh, playing us for fools. Um, but you you got into a tough position with a guy like Chase where in the first half of the season, if you, if you gambled and picked him, he was great. He was so great. But then when he went off, it's that it's that dilemma every week of like, do you risk sitting him? Do you risk sitting him and, and him having the big game on your bench? But the fact is that for half the season, he didn't. He didn't have that big game mm-hmm. at all. So you had to survive to get to that week 17. And I know that a lot of people did. And I, uh, I know that a lot of people, when Burrow went off in semifinal week, even if Chase had been on your bench, you were willing to put him in there. Um, I should make a quick note. I, I, we talked off air. I didn't have the uh, our preseason ranks for some of these guys in, but we did want to make a quick note of that. Chase was our number 26 wide receiver. Um, you, see, you know, we didn't bury him, but uh, he was certainly further down the list. Um, Devontae Adams was our number three guy. Stephon Diggs was our number two guy. So, um, you know, both of those guys finished in the top 10, but far down. Debo Samuel was way down in the uh, in the high 30s there. And Cooper Cup, I, he must be pretty down here. Oh, yeah, 21. So, you know, a couple guys that we saw as being like a, uh, a low-end wide receiver too, ending up in the top four. So pretty good. Uh, this next guy, though, coming into his second year, there was no real shock value here. Uh, people expected big things, and for the most part, he delivered. He was our number six guy coming into the year, and he finished at number five. Justin Jefferson, uh, the 2020 rookie sensation. Um, you know, for some reason, the Eagles had no interest in taking this guy, and they gifted him to Minnesota. But uh, overall this year, you know, it was pretty good. He finished with over 1,500 yards on 103 receptions and nine touchdowns. Um, 257 fantasy points, average 16 points a game, but he kind of went as the Vikings offense did this year. He was slow at times. He was steady. He had a couple of those really big games over 30 points, but only one other time did he score over 20 points. So he was, he was mostly kind of in the, in the 10 to 20 point range, which is that's dependable. If you can get that dependable production, um, you know, it's a pretty safe pick. Uh, he only went under 10 points twice all year, so he didn't really he didn't really kill you. He gave you solid production, and he is that kind of player who can break a game wide open and can win you your week by himself. Um, I'm not really sure why. I was kind of looking back and trying to remember what was going on at that time in Minnesota, but his targets really... What's that? Didn't Th- Thielen was hot at the beginning, and then didn't Thielen get hurt halfway through the season? Uh, yeah, he uh, yeah he was like Jefferson started off the first couple weeks, you know, heavily targeted, and then it just seemed to fade away. And maybe that was it. Maybe it was just they went kind of with the hot hand um, with Thielen. But uh, you know, you have this guy who the second half of his rookie year was you know arguably a top two receiver in the league almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's why Mike Zimmer's not in Minnesota anymore because they didn't they didn't force feed him the ball. But uh, 
Um, once he, once they hit week 10, he was double digit targets every single week except one. So they, they obviously gave their head a shake and figured things out. And, uh, this is a guy that, uh, we're going to be talking about for a long time in fantasy football. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you could even, I know that this show also is not big on Adam Thielen, but the two of them together, if they could get a quarterback in Minnesota, that's pretty dangerous, uh, double uh, duo there. And, uh, Another this next person is <laughs> kills me. Tyreek Hill. Um, this was a tough year for him. I mean, he finished sixth this season in fantasy, but you just never knew what you were going to get from him. Uh, five games over twenty points, including uh, going one hundred and eighty-six yards, three touchdowns in week four. But he also gave you eight games of single point production. Now the Chiefs did have kind of a big drastic fall off in. Um, wins and offensive statistics this year but literally half the season he hurt your team um and he's not with the chiefs anymore which maybe this is kind of why he saw the the team kind of going down but it's uh, he's also kind of a wide receiver where i don't know if this change in scenery is going to increase his value next year well that's it and i you know we talked about does Devonte Adams drop in in Vegas? And uh, I'll be honest with you, I I think that we can safely say that there's going to be a drop, not as a knock on Tua, but he's going to a team where they they do have a young player with a similar skill set. Like he arrived and he basically said right away he wants to have a race. He wants to have a race with Jalen Waddle. That's how impressed he was with the guy's speed. And it could be having two players like that could be a deadly combination as a team offense for sure. Um, you know, their uh, coach McDaniel there, he's talking about in as soon as he got there, he's talking about, you know, fantasy players go and get Jalen Waddle. We're going to use him like Debo. We're going to use him like Cordero Patterson. Then they get Tyreek Hill and he's like, we're going to use him like Debo. We're going to, you know, yeah. it's great. And it could be great things for Miami as a team, but you're going to end up in this situation again, I think, where. Is this the week that he goes for 150 and two touchdowns, or is this the week where he goes three for 30? And and not only that, but two guys that can spread the field with their speed doesn't right now it doesn't. And I think Tua I think Tua is going to be a good NFL quarterback, but right now he has not proven that he can throw a deep ball. And both those guys have the speed to just run deep and chuck it up to them. And a lot of times Mahomes did that with Tyreek Hill. He said he's out there somewhere, just throw the ball. He'll he'll find a way under it. And that kind of doesn't. That's not to his best game plan. Yeah. Well, and you know we've said it. Um, you know since this deal was made final, if if Tua can't prove it this year, it ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Looking at our number seven receiver, I already uh, I already mentioned it. He was our he was our number two receiver coming into the year. Uh, but Stefan Diggs. The big, the big payday in Buffalo, and uh, you know a pretty solid season for Diggs. Uh, Ninety-four catches for eleven hundred and forty-four yards, nine touchdowns on one hundred fifty targets. Uh, finished with two hundred fifteen fantasy points in half PPR. Averaged thirteen and a half points per game. It was a little blah though, like solid numbers. But remember, this was a top three wide receiver last season. Um, he, he had a lot of skepticism. People thought he was going to take a big nosedive coming from Minnesota into a new situation last year. And he kind of silenced us all and, and had a huge year. I know your fantasy squad personally benefited from, uh, the Allen and Diggs combo, if I do recall. Um, but, uh, disappointing because, Josh Allen took a huge step. Like Allen finished as the number one quarterback in fantasy this Mm -hmm. year. And you, you see that and you think, well, it must be on the back of Stefan Diggs, but really he took a hit this year. He fell off a little bit. Um, you know, he was solid. He's got, he got you in the teens. He had a few games under 10 points. He had one game where he went over 20 points. Um, but he was missing that extra little bit. He was missing those weeks that he had in 2020 where in the second half of the game, it was all digs all the time. And he's getting 10 targets and nine receptions in a half. Um, he was kind of, I said here, he's, he's dependable, but not sexy. He's kind of the Toyota Camry of the fantasy football world this year. Yeah. And it was two years ago that I had uh, Josh Allen last year. I was a, a Herbert guy. Yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, I was. I've tried yeah. to block out 2020 from my 
<laughs> now, I'm surprised by this number eight guy. Um, I'm not surprised that he led his team, but I'm surprised that he slipped into the top ten here. Um, and that's Deontay Johnson from your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, similar targets, receptions, touchdown points, and experience is having digs on your team. Now, Deontay did miss a game early on, and so his um, points per game average was slightly higher. Um, oh, so no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, jo- Johnson was easy to count on for uh, double-digit points almost every week, which, again, I can't stress this enough, is that is what you want. Um, that's just a, just 10 points from your wide receivers is a good day for you. Um, each wide receiver. Uh, differences in uh, the way managers felt was where they were drafted. Uh, Deontay Johnson went fifth round. Diggs went second round. And this is this will happen every once in a while, especially with the amount of wide receivers and QBs that start going after the third round. Um, and the fact that you had a stud young QB, um, and I know that that sentence is not talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good to have Deontay Johnson up there knowing that the last year he made top 10 wide receiver with a quarterback that had no business being a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, I was saying the what I was writing in was Diggs had a studly young quarterback, and Johnson had a living, heavily breathing statue of former glory throwing him the ball. Um, yeah. So you know, say what you will about Mitch Trubisky, but he's not going to be worse than Big Ben in his 18th season. I hope. Fingers he can't crossed. Be. He, he can't. can't. Be. <laughs> I'm he trying can't. to convince myself of that, anyways. No, he can't be. I don't see how he can be. <laughs> yeah, Johnson was just like, you know, I had him on our um on our the podcast league note here, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I I traded a second round pick to get him as my third. We're a three wide receiver league and he was my third wide receiver. And it was really nice having him because you just knew I'm just going to get 10 to 13 points, right? He kind of mm-hmm. got rid of the drop problems. And it didn't matter what was going on around him. Didn't matter who they were playing. Didn't matter what. we. I just knew, even if it was the third quarter and he only had one catch for eight yards, I just knew that he's going to get his. And all of a sudden, zip, zip, zip on one drive, you know, it would be all him. And uh, if he could find his way into the end zone, you had a great game. And if he didn't, you yeah. had a good game, right? Yeah. It's funny. Like Every time I think about Ben Roethlisberger walking onto the field, I think, like, retired offensive lineman who's playing in like a flag football league in like his small um state hometown that he used to live in and it's just like out of shape overweight he's got like a funny bucket hat on and he's got gloves <laughs> on because he's a little cold and <laughs> it's just like oh god Time yeah to he dug up his old high school helmet and he's crammed yeah. it on and his forehead's getting pushed down over his eyes because it's a little <laughs> exactly. too tight it's uh you know we used to have a thing when i played at waterloo on fridays we do you know we'd go through our game script we'd go through our full team warm-up We'd walk through, usually we had our script of the first 25 plays that we were going to call in the game, and we'd walk through that. And then the big event of the pregame routine was we would do something called Fat Man Football. The D-line and the O-line would get together, and we would play football, but you couldn't bend your knees. You were only allowed to walk with straight, like, robot legs. And uh, that's basically the experience of watching Ben Roethlisberger this past season. 100%. 100%. So, Mitch, you just have to be better than fat man football. <laughs> just bend the knees, Mitch. Bend the knees, buddy. <laughs> All right. We're getting down to the end of our top 10 here. But uh, number nine on the list, Mike Evans. You know, another good year. Now, these stats were only from week one to 17. I didn't include week 18. This is the fantasy stats. But 68 catches for 946 yards and 12 touchdowns on 107 targets. Finished with 201 points and averaged 13 and a half points per game. But on the season, he did go over 1,000 yards. And death, taxes, and Mike Evans getting 1,000 yards, those are the three things you can count on in life. Um, He outlasted the other two. Uh, They had that triple threat, that three-headed monster in Tampa Bay. It was him and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. And, you know, Godwin went down with injury. And Antonio Brown, he went out a couple times this year. He went out first. He had a choose-your-own-vaccination-status fiasco. And then, uh, you know, halfway through a game, decided to uh, change careers and become a stripper, I guess. But uh, 
Evans just, you know, he he just wanted to be part of the team and uh, and he did good things and ended up as a top ten wide receiver. Respectable per game average. A, a few times when he could get in the end zone a couple times a game, he'd give you over 20 points. Uh, but that all happened in the first half of the season. And I know that for managers it was frustrating. Um, I wish I could uh, I wish I could read some of the uh, the Sunday afternoon. Uh, text messages in our league group chat in the Sorry for Partying League because, uh, you know, a certain fairly complainy pants. Yeah. Brad. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he traded to, to when he I traded won the him to me. Yeah. In 2021. <laughs> he traded him, and I was, and I was like, what? Wait. This guy just, he just loves to complain about the slow days that Mike Evans has. And then you look at every, the end of every year for like the last five years, Mike Evans is in the top 10. Yeah, I did our league a solid this year. I traded to get Mike Evans just so that we wouldn't have to hear about it anymore, basically. So I traded for him the year welcome. before that, and yeah. he won me the championship. He, <laughs> he was on go. my team when we won the championship. There you go. But uh, you know, this is this is kind of what he does. He has these he has these good yardage years. He did it with famous Jameis. He's been doing it with Tom Brady. Um, what always saves him is even the games where he has low yardage. He is, a, you know, he's a bigger, not bigger, but broader bodied wide receiver. And he's strong. He can get himself into the end zone. Don't forget that year that you had him. It would have been before you traded for him. But he had a couple of weeks where his stat lines were one catch for one yard and one touchdown. And then I think the next week he had two catches for three yards and two touchdowns. Um, so obviously he's got that connection and he's got Tom Brady back in town. So I think we can kind of expect more of the same there. Yeah, I, it'll be another banner year for Mike Evans next year. You're up with the highs and you're down, you're there down with the lows, and it's just you have to know that at the end of your season, he is a value to your team. Unlike this next jabroni who <laughs> drove me wild last year, I turned Travis Kelsey into DK Metcalf and DeAndre Swift, thinking that I was set to win back-to-back championships. Because DK is an athletic freak. There's no argument about that. And it's just like, oh, I don't know what happened. He had 118 yard, like 118 targets. He only had 909 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns. I don't know if this is without that week 18 or not, but 198 fantasy points. And people keep expecting him to have this amazing league-breaking season. I know I did. Um, but with Drew Locke throwing in the ball now, you kind of got to step back from that. So it's uh, and we and uh, it's just I can't I don't even want to talk about this guy right mm-hmm. now. He was I, I traded for him at the highs. He was like the first eight weeks he had eight touchdowns every week. He's like over. So he. Oh, I'm, still, I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm I'm like like I'm bright red in the face right now because he was doing so well for eight weeks. Like, just scoring touchdowns, win touchdowns. I know he only went over 20 points once, but he was getting you what you needed That like at 15 every week. It's just, it's, I can't stress it enough. If you get 10 points from your wide receiver, you're, like, you can average 100 points a game and win each week. And then week nine hit, and he had a bye week. And the next weeks he gave you four points, five points, one point, eight point, six point, eight point. And then he got up to that 11 points. And it was like, uh, this guy is so frustrating. Like, so you get to the end where I'm in the playoffs and I'm starting to win. I need to win these weeks. And he's just, I do bench DK Metcalf. Do you start him? Like, you have to start him because the potential there is huge. And then, of course, in the last game of the, the year, <laughs> 28 fantasy points, scoring three touchdowns. Ah, there's only three of the four he scored after that bye week. And, and, Every league has that bitter owner. I'm the bitter owner that was counting on DK to win me my championship. He couldn't get me to the week that I needed him. And I will never, I don't think I'll ever draft him again. I don't think I will ever draft DK Metcalf again for the rest of my life. Um, I, I know there was other things going on in Seattle, but I, the, the, I can't. It's, You're gonna have to take over. It's so take hard. Over it's so hard when you have a guy, and this is the you know this is the Jamar Chase fiasco all over again. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most dependable players at the start of the season, 
But this is the same kind of thing that we saw last year in 2020. Like, not la- when I say last year, I'm talking about like two years ago, I guess I need to smarten up. But in 2020, he finishes the number five wide receiver in 2020, but it was not a season full of happiness. It was half a season of unbelievable. We haven't seen much like this in the history of fantasy football, and half a season where he's like borderline unstartable, but. You worry every week. Is this the week I'm going to take him out? Is this the week? And you know what happens. You remember what happened two years ago with my one of my running backs, right? This is the week I had to put Miles Sanders on the bench. And, of course, that's the week that he went off and it ruined my life, <laughs> ruined my season, ruined would, my life. Why would you bring that up it. with me here? Oh, well, yeah. Would but you bring that up but that's here. the you thing. You feel and, better. Well, because feel every better. week with DK, you're worried that that's what's going to happen. You're going to put him on and that's the week that he's going to go off. And, uh, yeah, you're right, though. Like, everyone who had him it's pretty unlikely that you made it to where you were in the finals if you were starting him. And then you had to watch as he exploded for his biggest performance of the season after he, uh, after he tanked your playoff run. Right. Yeah. Oh, those players, they get you for years. They get you for years. This is not a one time thing with DK Metcalf that I will like, Oh, I had him on my, my season that one time. It sucked. I'll get him again. It's like, no, I don't want this guy anywhere <laughs> near my team. For It's like Jeff, when next week, I'm sure he's list, he'll be listening to this and go, yes, Kenny Galladay for me. Kenny Galladay, he'll oh, have yeah. nothing to do with. I don't want anything to do with DK Metcalf ever again. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is you know what of all the year of all the year in review series, the wide receiver one is I think it's the most important, but it's it's also really the most eye opening of we see this top ten list and there's gonna be people in June and July and August who look at this top ten and they, you know, if you're a casual fan, you recognize these names, you see, oh, they had a good season or whatever, and jump on the bandwagon, but uh yeah. you're you're putting yourself in a whole world of hurt with some of these guys. Yep, you really are. Anyways, before we get going here, we do have one more thing to get to, Falcomaniacs. Uh, in the offseason, we like to wrap our show up with a little something called the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football two-minute drill. So we got a real quick question for this week. Um, you know, the quarterback carousel has been out of control. It's the controls are broken. The the Carney in charge has gotten into the bathtub moonshine and the thing is spinning around wildly. But two starters from this past year are still with their old teams. I'm talking about Jimmy G in San Francisco and Baker Mayfield. And it seems pretty unlikely um, you know, barring barring criminal matters or barring a big setback in camp that either of these guys is going to start for their old teams. So my question for you, Falkomaniacs, and my question for you, Tyler, is who is going to start more games in 2022, Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? That is easy. Jimmy Garoppolo, and he will be starting for the San Francisco 49ers. Take that, Jeff. Woo! I love it. <laughs> I uh, think that Jimmy G, like he, right now, he he is injured. He just had surgery on his shoulder, so he also is a guy that doesn't have an ego of I need to be the starter here. That's why I'm here. He's a guy that says I will be the starter here because I'm going to go out there and I'm going to earn it and I'm going to take it. And that's what he did last year when they drafted a kid and they said we're going to put him in, we're going to put him in. He said, okay, that's great. I'll sit back. I'll teach the kid. I'll I'll do what I need to do because I'm a team player. But I'm going to let you know every day at practice, I'm going to try to take that kid's job. And he did. And he got the job back and he took him to the playoffs. Baker, I don't think, has old enough and been around long enough, the right characters maybe, um, to want to have that mentality where it's not, it's a business and I understand it, but I'm going to go out there and make it make it hard for you guys to bench me. So he's already said that he'll never set foot in Cleveland again, and I don't think he'll ever set foot in Cleveland again, like in the arena for the the Browns. Um, But I also don't think they'll be able to get rid of him. They'll have to cut him. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, there's uh, it's the same thing as what I said with Kaepernick. There are a lot of teams who could benefit from a guy like Baker Mayfield uh, in their locker room and, and on their squad. He's a starting quarterback in this league. He Both these guys are starting quarterbacks in this league. Um, they're just unfortunately in situations right now where they won't be the starting quarterbacks um, like just eat that easily. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, we want to hear from you too, Folkomaniacs. We want to get your input on this, share your knowledge. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you can email the show at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave us a voice message using the link in the show description. And as always, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram, and you can hit us up there at Football. Tyler, it's always a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate it. It's uh, It's nice catching up, and it's nice chatting some football with you, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I can make it. And listeners, before we go, make sure that, uh, you know, we mentioned it last week, but make sure if you're in the mood to talk some racing F1 seasons upon us and make sure you check out Tyler and his uh, co-hosts on the Pit Stop podcast available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much. And you can, it's uh, the Pit Stop, there's probably a bunch of them because it's a super uh, uh, simple name there, but it's on the Ordinary Podcast Network. Yeah, it's the good one. Of all the Pit Stop it's podcasts, the good one. it's the good one. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, have a great week, Falcon Maniacs. Enjoy the Masters. And don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo! Woo! Oh, I was going to try to steal it from you. <laughs> <laughs>